gorgeous. You're on with Abiola Abrams, founder of Woman Manifesting University, the Spiritpreneur Warrior Business Sisterhood, and Coaching Business in a Box Kit.com. <laughs> Try saying that five times fast. Coaching Business in a Box Kit.com. Yay! <laughs> Welcome to this video. This is a video that has been long requested, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. We're going to be talking about how I got started. Now, although the name of the video is Getting Started as a Life Coach, I often steer those that I coach away from using the term life coach because I think that you should say something a little bit more specific to your journey. But let me stop coaching and get all into my story. So, I am a native New Yorker first-generation American born daughter of Guyanese parents but don't get it twisted although I was in America in New York City it was Guyana in my household and I had a Guyanese accent probably until about I don't know first grade second grade something like that because I'm the first person in my family born in America and it's like that with uh, first-generation immigrant kids now my father is a minister and a journalist and my mother was a teacher in Guyana and worked in educational administration here and so my parents very much prized education and moving ahead and you know they were both the first generation in there in, in our family to go to college and you know it, any immigrant daughter can tell you that if your parents have given up their whole life to come somewhere and make a better life for you that you definitely feel the pressure so I didn't know when I was a kid that I wanted to be a coach um, mainly because I wasn't sure that I knew even what a coach was or that the profession existed in the way that it does today there were gym coaches you know coaches in gym and that sort of thing there was Tony Robbins on his late night shows and whatnot you know and there was Oprah just being a bright beaming shining brilliant light on this planet but the coaching profession really hadn't come into its own yet so it's really exciting time for all of us to be alive who are change makers and light workers and leaders and for you the title coach may not fit you may use a title, you may be a consultant in what you do. You may be a healer. You may be, a, like I said, a light worker or a change maker. The language that you choose to describe you is up to you. But this is a conversation really about my journey to coming into my own as a leader, really. And I am smiling at myself because it took a long time for me to get here. It took a long time for me to feel feel comfortable in that description and so if you are one of the reluctant leaders like I like to call us you know the reluctant leaders or wounded healers uh, which I am thankfully whoop, <laughs> pulling myself out of that space you know and don't identify myself with those terms anymore then this is definitely a conversation for you 
another reason I wanted to have this conversation is that every coach's journey is completely different. And so what one person's journey may look like, it may be totally different for you. Someone else may be certified up the wazoo. You may be, you know, uncertified. Um, someone else like Ian Levansant may have a psychology degree. You may not have any degree or you may have all of the above. Either way is the right way um, because this is the path that you have chosen. And I would say that the smartest way to proceed is using a combination of whatever formal education that you have. Like for example, I have an undergraduate degree in sociology and creative writing and I studied some theater as well. And then my graduate degree was in women's storytelling and then I have coaching certification in neurolinguistic programming. But a big part of my work as a coach, as a guide, comes from my experiences. So a combination of the things that I've learned formally, right? And then I've taken, in addition to those uh, certifications and degrees, a number of different classes and <coughs> leaving that in there because it's important that you know that this is not about perfection you know this is about you being real you being authentic you bringing your whole self to the party and again these are things that I wish that I had known for a long time starting out I was bullied. My whole family was bullied a lot as a child. If you're seeing like a gleam it's my really cool moon necklace um i'm gonna leave the moonbeams <laughs> going um but my family was often told to go back to my country and you know i had a lot of issues with anxiety not feeling comfortable in my own skin um and i think that that definitely figured into my path of wanting to empower and uplift women and in the beginning i was interested in doing this through media through writing filmmaking being on the stage and you know telling taboo women's stories things that people wouldn't talk about things that were ugly you know um so to speak and so the interesting thing that would happen was whenever i did a theater production that i had written or co-written or a film um i did a lot of art films that showed in galleries around the world because of the nature of the topics there would always be these wonderful discussion groups and chances to the opportunity to laser coach you know the people that came up to me afterward with their issues again i didn't know that this is what i was doing and so the the not surprisingly the very first person that asked me to coach was Daniel Banks, who was the director of a play that I created and co-wrote named Goddess City that is actually gone down in the history books published uh, by Daniel in a book named Say Word as the very first hip hop theater play in history. Um, and it's a show of Goddess City about three women who come to Earth and forget that they're goddesses and have to remember their truth in order to be able to go home. Obviously an allegory for, you know, um, all that we are. And Daniel, you know, asked me to be, he, he made a request of me to be his coach. And I remember at the time I didn't know what he was talking about. He was like, well, I just would like you to hold me accountable. And Daniel, you know, had 
well, I don't want to get into his business, but I think that it was public, you know, knowledge. Like he is like, you know, PhD professor, you know, um, brilliant person. I consider like my big brother and mentor. And I was flattered that he would ask me to do something like that. But I also, you know, going back to the reluctant leadership thing, it was like a, you know, who me? Little old me? Like, you know, like the feeling of not being enough, like, no, like how could I, you know, with all of my issues and stuff and drama, you know, help you in that way? And so the interesting thing was that one way or another, people kept on asking me to be their coach. I started hosting a number of things for TV. Most of them would come on at three o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock on a, on a Sunday night or something like that. And I had a pretty regular gig for a couple of years where I was hosting a show for um, BET Black Entertainment Television. And the show got canceled. I got canceled off the show. <laughs> and was the next gig that I was offered as we were going into 2008, 2009, when the whole media industry crashed and burned in a spectacular way. You know, it was a combination of the markets crashing, but also media was changing. And so, you know, I had seen this a few years earlier where the cool thing was that, you know, I kind of always like had one foot in indie media, one foot in mainstream media. And so the things, you know, my first podcast was in 2005 when podcasting first came out. It was named The Goddess Factory. And, you know, you can still subscribe to it. I still update it with my current podcast now. And... I started doing, you know, videos early trying to um, create my own TV show online. But again, there wasn't necessarily the language around it. And so at that time, there was a network, um, Black, um, Black Planet, which was the third largest social media channel at the time. And I had half a million friends on Black Planet. And I had this, um, this weekly show where I was interviewing people like Busta Rhymes and LL Cool J and, you know, whoever. But I didn't know at the time how to monetize it. And, and after the shows, people would ask me for advice. And I would give them advice, you know, either right there on my channel or, you know, I had a, that, that was the, the era of the, let me pick your brain. So a lot of people would be like, let me take you to lunch and buy you a coffee and pick your brain. Again, this was coaching, but I had no idea. And they wanted to know, okay, well, I'm having this problem or how do I do what you're doing or whatever it is. And I basically like draw out a, like a whole strategy for them. And my best friend, Crystal, you know, bless her soul, her spirit, her heart, her whole being, because she would be like, no they should be paying you. And I was like, paying me? Like, paying me for what? Like, how would they pay me? I'm just me. Like, I'm just telling. And she's like, why are you, like, basically, like, planning these people's lives and careers? And again, I hadn't, like, really put a framework on it. And so by this time, I had written my debut novel, Dare, which um, had won a couple of awards, one award or a couple of awards, something from, um, forget what the name of something book club. Um, it's on my site and my short films had also won a bunch of awards. And I, after the BT thing went and did this reality show because the advice that I was given was basically, look, all of the stuff that you have done thus far has been black stuff. 
you know, or chitlin circuit as they called it. And they were like, you've done all this chitlin circuit stuff. If you do this VH1 thing, you know, this is a better chance to go mainstream and you can promote your book, which was like, yay, that's awesome. Because, you know, all this stuff is going on with the market and blah, 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 blah. So it was like, yeah, sounds good. Sign me up. So I did this show, which was like a, I don't remember how many weeks, like a maybe a nine week thing or something like that. And I didn't, I, I talked about the book, but none of that, of course, made it to air which was devastating for me at the time, like really literally devastating. But an interesting thing happened where I got to know what folks say they want to watch and what they really want to watch because people, you know, are very, oh, you know, so much like lowbrow stuff on TV. We'd love some highbrow stuff to do, to watch. And I'd been doing highbrow programming, <laughs> artistic stuff for years, have an art degree and all those degrees. And, you know, I was pretty safe with knowing like that 15 people were watching or whatever. And then when I did, you know, the VH1 thing, it was hilarious because then literally every single person that I know was like, oh, all this, you know, lower class stuff on TV, we'd never watch it. They all had watched every episode, knew exactly what it was, knew what it was, and we were down with it and everybody from everywhere. And so it was just so hilarious. And so... My agent after this basically dropped me because my agent was like, look, I don't know how to market you now as an expert because you are, you have damaged your lifestyle expert brand being a chick on a reality show where you weren't the expert, you know, like I've done, I do a lot of TV now, but I'm going on as the expert. Um, and these were shows, this was a show about finding love. Um... Which the interesting thing was, the trajectory, is that on my previous show, on my BET show, um, where we were shooting interstitials, which means the programming that comes in in between, um, I was basically like kind of giving advice and talking about like, um, you know, big breakup that I had and so giving relationship advice and I had started to do a relationship column for Rolling Out, which is, you know, uh, a paper that is in urban neighborhoods that you can get for free and like the chicken spots and everything like that. So I was doing like a Dear Abiola column for all of that. And so, you know, it was interesting because then after doing this show, people started to talk to me more about their relationships and ask for relationship advice. And so when my agent broke up with me and I didn't know what to do, I mean, the sensible thing to do honestly would have been just to look for another agent, but I honestly was really heartbroken and took it like as a rejection of me and my soul and my choices and my whole being. I am a highly sensitive person and, um, you know, things like really, things like rejection, like knock me back, like really can like shut me down for like, a while let's put it like that right so rather than obviously like what I would advise any sensible person to do would be to take their wares and go shopping for a new agent I was like oh my god what am I gonna do what's going on <laughs> and you know what I when I picked myself up and dusted myself off I was like oh I know what to do I am going to brand myself if, you know, I am being branded as a person within this relationship issues drama, I'm going to brand myself as a relationship expert because at that point, um, having studied, you know, 
all kinds of things about relationships and trying to figure out my own situation, having had all these free consultations with people who wanted to pick my brain, at that point I was putting in my 10,000 hours that they say it takes to be an expert in anything, right? Um, and I, I like to feel like also this was moving into me answering my calling. I, someone said, and, and I, I've, I've stolen it and taken it, but they've said, you know, like our grandmas had Dear Abby and we have Dear Abiola. And I love that because my great grandmother in Guyana, she was a midwife and at the time helped women with fertility issues even way back then. Yeah, for real. Um... And I feel like I am taking up the mantle of her work. I feel like this is all the next, you know, level of her work. And it's really kind of cool. Like, that's a different video. But just watching the women in my generation, in my family, from my sister Damali to my cousin Adana to my cousin Nicola to, um, you know, just, just all like, you know, I call us in my head. They don't know I say this, but Daughters of Ma, which is what she was called, which is amazing. The things that we're doing and the way we are carrying on her work into the world. But all that to say, like, you know, but I still hadn't, wasn't calling myself a coach. Um, I was writing, then I started focusing more on um, my writing. Um, and I was writing for, I was writing a, a column, which, a couple of columns, which luckily have been kind of washed off the, the web. Well, you know, there's the Wayback Machine, so nothing ever dies. But, you know, I was writing all kinds of stuff for Yahoo Shine and I was writing for The Examiner and I was doing like, you know, a lot of like pop writing, gossip writing. I was writing about Kim Kardashian um, a lot. And that was my beat. You get a beat when you're a reporter, like the things that you have to cover, the people you have to cover. One of them was Kim Kardashian. So people would send me like mean things like, you know, F you, Abiola, why you keep writing and putting this woman out there? I was like, it's my job. Um, and so, you know, I was doing that to be able to pay for me to be able to then write the things that I wanted to write to make the videos that I wanted to write, to, to, to make about empower, and the podcasts I wanted to make about how to empower yourself, how to uplift yourself, how to deal with issues, whether in relationships or in your life in general, how to have a general, a better relationship with your partner, with yourself, with your business, with your world, right? And so it was really interesting because when I had, you know, like I said, once I dusted myself off, you know, I know how to, you know, at that point, like I knew very strongly how to create a memorable brand, how to, you know, and I put those skills to work to rebrand myself as a relationship expert. And then in six months, you know, from the time when, you know, I was like, woe is me, my agent had fired me six months, within six months after that, you know, I had um, Abiola's Kiss and Tell, which was an online show um, at this place called Shovio, which was a live radio station with a web thing, um, webcam. And I had Abiola's Kiss and Tell Live, which was a live monthly um, sexy storytelling showcase in Manhattan uh, in the East West Village, East or West Village at Madame X, this awesome place uh, downtown Manhattan. And um, I, ha I was writing... Uh, you know, advice columns for people from Match.com to whoever, and MTV invited me to come on as a coach 
um, for their show MTV. I don't remember the name of the show, but basically being a coach around relationships and young people. And so from all of that, then I started, people started to pay me to coach them because then they started to see, okay, value. So my, one of my very first coaching clients, I was at a wedding and you know, this woman, her friend said to her, oh, I've seen that girl on TV giving advice and coaching. And so then the woman was like, hey, can I hire you as my coach? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and I put together a package. Um, my boyfriend at the time had owned a tutoring business. And so he knew how to create packages to do one-on-one -on -one consultations. And so he helped me to, gave me advice on how to set that up. And so then, you know, after she hired me, then, you know, a few people because of the MTV show started to just, again, approach me through either Facebook or whatever, uh, or just see me around and being like, you know, hey, I have a child having these issues or I'm having these issues, um, not children, but like teenagers. Um, can I hire you to coach my kid or coach me or whatever? And so I was like, yeah. And so then I started to, you know, have one foot in like, okay, where well, people are paying me to coach, but I still had no specific direction. Um, and I still had no clear objective. Um, there are very specific ways that, you know, you can monetize your brand as an expert and really add value to people's lives as a coach, as a guide, to be able to empower, empower and uplift people. But I still wasn't clear on all of those pieces of the puzzle. And um, the cool thing was that I remember when, uh, I'll just say her name because I think she's awesome, Demetria Lucas. She, Demetria Lucas is badass, amazing. If you don't know her, she's an author. She wrote the book of Ellen BK and she was on the show um, Blood, Sweat and Heels. Love her, love her, love her. Anyway, Demetria was one of the speakers at my New York City event, Abiola's Kiss and Tell Live, where I had relationship experts from all genres um, come up and share their stories. And some were bawdy, some were sexy, some were racy, some were crazy, um, but it was always fun. And Demetria said one day, she was like, I can't make it, I have to pick a different a different date. Either she couldn't make it or she had to leave early or maybe she had to go first because she had to leave early. But basically what it came down to was that she was like, I have to study for my coaching exam, my coaching certification. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. There's coaching certification. <laughs> <laughs> so then, because I am a total geek, once I know something, then I can research it into the ground and study it into like forevermore, you know, I started to do research on different programmings and, and like went into like a, I don't know, like a whole of like just researching, trying to figure out what the right certification program would be for me. And because I am a big admirer of Tony Robbins' work, and always have been, you know, I researched Tony Robbins' path, I researched Ian LaVanzant's path, I researched Marianne Williamson's path, and the paths of other people that I admired. Um, and I, I had really kind of studied a lot of these people, including Jack Canfield and Bob Proctor, etc., you know, over the years and read all of their stuff. And so I chose neuro-linguistic programming because that was 
Tony Robbins what he was first known for. And I found it to be really, really valuable for me uh, in terms of being able to help with belief change. Because, you know, any kind of coaching that you do, you really want to have a component that helps people not only to guide them in what to do, but helping to make a shift in beliefs, um, which are why we have whatever challenges we have to begin with. Um, and so, you know, I got my coaching certification, but still was not clear on how to build a business, you know? So that's why I now I'm like creating the tools that I wish would have existed. Everything from the Spiritpreneur Warrior Business Sisterhood to uh, coaching business in a box kit is all like, okay, I wish that this would have existed. And so the beautiful thing is that you know, along the way, as I have stepped into my own personal power as an award-winning author and speaker and columnist and coach and spiritual student and teacher, you know, being able to create my own books and meditation albums and uh, affirmation cards and self-love and self-care kits, and empowerment courses with Moon Manifesting University. You know, it, it has been a beautiful journey. I remember the the first, um, first online program or course that I did was maybe like, I don't know if that was like four years ago, three years, four years ago maybe. Um, and it was called the 28 Day Whole Life Detox. Because again, like I still hadn't specifically come up with, I didn't understand the difference between market and niche and ideal client, which are things that I work with people on now, and um, how to talk to your audience to find out what they need. And so it was a 28 day program. You know, most coaches you start out with talking about what you know. And at the time, like I was going through my own personal journey of moving to a more natural place in my self-care and my body love, you know, my body care and body love, self-care <laughs> and self-love. And so I had created, and I had gone through something where I'd lost 55 pounds. And so, you know, with everything that I was coaching people, either, even if I was talking to them about their businesses, you know, I was talking to them about what they were eating and, you know, what they were doing with their fitness and their well-being and their holistic being. And, you know, it has been a really, really beautiful journey. You know, it's like knowing that you can really create your life and create your dream and monetize it to where you can be abundant in this world and make a difference. It's, it sounds corny, but it's really the best feeling in the world. It's really the most amazing thing on the planet, you know, and you know, this video is getting long, so I'm gonna wrap it up. But you know, along the way, there were things like, you know, I remember when, you know, I didn't include everything in here. So I'm gonna have to put it all together um, in a book that I'm creating just for you all with uh, coaching business in a box kit. It's named the life coaching, life coaching startup, life coaching business startup. Um, but there were things like, for example, like, 
you know, I was keeping a diary online and didn't realize that it was a blog and then started to win blogging awards. <laughs> and then when, you know, Black Enterprises gave me a blogging award, I was like, oh, okay, I'm a blogger, you know, like, and, and I remember going to the blogging awards and, you know, when other people were introducing their blog, you know, I'm like, I was kind of like, well, my site is, at the time it was abiolatv.com and my current blog is sacredbombshell.com, but I may which is the name of my last book, basically, The Sacred Bombshell Handbook of Self-Love, but I may rebrand it all under abiola.nyc. We shall see. Um, I have a tricky challenge with naming my sites because abiolaabrams.com, people can't spell abiola, they can't spell abrams, the two A's in the middle with abiolaabrams.com, they get confused and, you know, so <laughs> if your name is like, you know, susiejackson.com, you have a much easier time with that than I do. But it's cool because it allows me to be creative when it comes up to the naming. But I remember at the blogging awards when people were people were like, yes, I'm such and such and I'm the founder of blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, like I never thought to announce my blog like as a business that I was a founder. Like that was like, again, like I wasn't seeing that, you know, in my head, a business person was like a stodgy like my father, my dad, I love you, dad. But like, you know, like I was picturing something different where a business person is me and you, you know, so I created my spiritpreneur tribe of us like just being ourselves. And you know, that is how we do business, you know. And so again, the most beautiful thing is the fact that you could be authentic. And as Marianne Williamson said, we as light workers and change makers, it's not only just okay for us to be abundant, but we have a duty to be abundant as we answer our callings because then we can really have influence in the world. And I have taken that to heart. That's why I'm creating a money course. That's why, you know, I do this work and, you know, it is, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. So, you know, let's get into alignment, get those chakras all lined up <laughs> and let's make magic. I am, you know, if you're still rocking and rolling through this video and you're still here, I just want you to know that I believe in you and that if I could do it, you can do it. And I mean that with my whole heart. And I am excited to find out more about the magic that you came into this world to birth. Coaches unite! <laughs> yes! <laughs>